Well, they say, Angelique, that you can't talk about business if you've never owned a business. You can't talk about being married and give advice on marriage if you've never been married. You certainly can't talk about raising kids and how to do that properly if you've never had kids. But the other one thing is you can't talk about grief unless you know grief. And unfortunately, I got that lesson recently, guys. It's been a couple weeks since my father passed away. And um, he was a man of great resilience. Angelique, you know this. He was a man of extreme positivity. And to honor him today, we're going to do our best uh, and to take that spirit of resilience and that spirit of positivity. And we're going to have a discussion about grief. We're going to have a discussion about the power of God's word when you need it most and living our best life right here on earth, but while we prepare for the ultimate prize, paradise in heaven here on the podcast. Stay tuned. So, Ange, this song here, you know, means a lot to me. I just love Elvis, but, I mean, when we talk about a bridge over troubled water, I mean, we're going through some stuff right now that we never knew. And I guess I'll start off this. My friends, again, this is going to be a positive podcast. I'm not coming on here. I wouldn't honor my dad and come on here and just, uh, you know, talk about how sad we are. We're going to talk about victory today. Uh, There is victory at the hardest times in our life, and in the past, you know, I talked about people just in the last year whose fathers had passed, and I said all the cliche things. Oh, well, he loved you, and you were a good kid, and uh, you got to see a lot of each other, and that's what happens when you don't have any frame of reference for it, and then it happens to you, and you realize, wow, all those things that you were telling people <laughs> are certainly different. Um, I, the only thing I compare it to is when we, we're getting ready to have our first child, and people will tell you, you're going to love this child so much. You have no idea, and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, you're trying to imagine it. You're trying to imagine it. And then you see that child take its first breath and you're like, it's nothing like I imagined. The joy is so much greater than I could have ever, ever imagined. And unfortunately, it's the same thing. You know, both of your parents passed, Angelique, and I was close to them. And I would ask you, you know, how do you deal with it? And you would try and tell me, but you're like, I can tell you, David, how I felt, but you have no idea. And I was there when my dad took his last breath. I felt it hit my face. I heard it. And... Just like that child, you have no idea about the amount of happiness that you felt. I mean, in that moment, the amount of grief, you can't prepare for that. No, um, you certainly can't. And, you know, I shared this on a podcast I did by myself the other day. And, you know, you, you make such a great point about having a frame of reference for it. And the thing is, is that... I I mentioned this, that even Jesus wept. The shortest sentence in the Bible is Jesus wept. And you think to yourself, okay, what was the purpose of that being divinely inspired and written down? Why, why, why was that part recorded? And the reason why it's even more profound um, than the idea of just him weeping was the fact that he already knew that he was going to raise Lazarus. <laughs> Like everybody was crying and grieving his death and Jesus wept with him, even though he knew he was going to raise him back up. So what does that tell us? It tells us that we are given 
permission to weep. We are given permission to grieve. It is part of our human nature. It is part of the design and the likeness and image of God that we are created. It is part of experiencing this life in its totality. You know, I think that sometimes, especially as Christians, we're expected to just rejoice the minute they hit heaven. And while we do glorify that eternal prize, that that eternal life, the same time, it does not take away the fact that we grieve. We grieve the loss of our loved one. And it is okay to weep. It is okay to cry. And I know that's something that you've, David, you've struggled with, you know, over time is just, you know, you've asked me so many different questions regarding the loss of my parents. And again, I'm an only child. So it was like when they were gone and now my grandmother, who was my last real tie, honestly, to my family, it's, it's just a permanence that sets in. And I tried to, to share with you, but ultimately you will, you will never be able to know loss unless you experience it. And therefore you'll probably never really understand victory yeah. until you experience a loss of this kind. Well, it's, it's, it's so ironic you said that because one of the things I really wanted to make apparent to the audience here is, and I'll probably say it <clears throat> when I speak at his service this week, is... Um, he was man a few words, you know. I grew up in that generation where fathers were, you know, they brought home the they brought home the bacon, as <laughs> to put it right, and they were disciplinarians. Um, and and there there wasn't a lot of sensitivity, it, not because my dad wasn't sensitive, but well, he just wasn't raised that way. You know, things are changing now, where men are are showing their emotions for better or worse. Uh, you know, we're going too far in the pendulum swinging the other way. But you guys know who if you grew up in that generation uh, where your dad, you know. Would, would pat you on the back once in a while I'll give you a handshake but um and I'll tell the story at nauseum because there was one time when I was young and and I was going through a relationship breakup and um I was pretty upset my dad called me and he knew I was upset and he gave me this best piece of advice and this is for anybody he's like how could you David how could you know true joy if you've never known true sorrow like we'd have no frame we're talking about frame of reference this morning and and it just and my young, I think I was 20, you know, and my young self, I was just like, wow, that's true. And I never forgot it. And I repeated it over and over again over the years is it's true. It, we would never know a frame of reference for joy if we didn't know sorrow. I would never know how much I love Angelique right now if I didn't know what, you know, uh, having a heart broke, heart, my heart broken one day felt like. Um, you never know how, how beautiful a summer is if you didn't have to go through a winter or vice versa even. You know, you'd never appreciate the snow if you didn't, you know, this this past summer here was just so hot. Yeah. <laughs> and so there there is ways to appreciate that, you know. If we look for what's in it for you all, you know, if you're listening, many of you have had trauma. Many of you have gone through trauma, um, emotional loss. You know, nobody here escapes death. It's the one thing nobody wants to talk about. I mean, even doing this podcast today, I'm like, well, how many people are going to turn off when they hear, well, we're going to talk about death? Well, that doesn't sound fun. You know, we want to avoid that. But nobody escapes it except Jesus Christ. And that's where we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about victory today. So we're all looking for something, right? What's in it for me? We're all looking for something. We, we look for things to make our lives pleasant. We look for things to make our lives uh, enjoyable and us happy. We look for physical things in this world. Let's be honest. That's all we know right now. We look for physical things in this world. And one of the things that we look for uh, was this new house that we're in right now. (laughs) 
And one of the things we wanted, we wanted was big windows, lots of light and a great view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, in our kitchen, there's these floor to ceiling windows and there's just all this natural light and it looks upon this beautiful backyard. That's just, yeah. that's just the forest and it's gorgeous. And when we moved in, we said, what a beautiful view. And that's what we wanted. We wanted that inspiration. So that's the primary reason we bought this house, this model. And um, we thought how inspiring that would be to look out at that view every day. Things change, don't they, Ange? Yeah. Uh, We look out at that same spot today where we eat breakfast every morning. And we look into a backyard where my father fell down. And had a heart attack. And essentially he passed there. For all intents and purposes, my dad died in our backyard. Um, not to exploit his death, but this is, this is certainly not about us. This is certainly about Jesus and honoring my father. Um, to put it succinctly, I was cooking dinner. Angelique and Ella were in the backyard with my mom. And my dad collapsed. No warning. No grasping of the chest. No, no. hey, I don't feel good or I'm short of breath. Just from one minute to the next down. You know, I'm cooking and I hear someone say something and I'm like, I hear chaos and I look back and they're waving for me to come out and I'm, I'm, it's surreal. I'm looking and there's my father on the ground and there's Angelique and my mom is, they're in just complete panic. And, you know, instincts kick in and, and here Angelique and I are doing CPR on my father. And I looked at him, and I, during that moment, I said, he's dead. You know, just in my mind, I'm like, this man has no life in him. EMS did, was able to re- revive him through, through means of epinephrine and a, a shock to the heart. And, and he, he, he did gain his heartbeat, and he was in the hospital for a week. A whole week, yeah. And, and some people, you know, my brothers and sisters were here. Within 10 hours, my brothers and sisters had flown in, um, and within... 24 hours, um, we had 14, 14 members of the family there yeah. all around him. Now, my dad never really regained cognitive consciousness. He would open his eyes, but he had a series of strokes. So where are we going with this? Well, I, I looked around at this hospital and these tubes and this ventilator, and I said, Ange, you know, in Jesus' time, in ancient times, if someone was in a field and their father had a heart attack like this, they would just hold him. And that was his time. And I, and I said, I don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, it makes you think about a lot of things. I'm like, I don't know if we're supposed to play God and extend someone's life with all these tubes and, you know, medicines. Um, you know, I definitely struggle with pieces of that because I, I would agree to an extent because I also know that God gives people special gifts and callings. And when used properly, um, many things, you know, have been brought into our civilization that that have enhanced the our lives you know and and again it can go the other it can swing the pendulum way too far because anything that god does um satan wants to counterfeit anyway and and again exploit the reasons why it was done but god always turns it for good so you know i think about what you just said and at the same time how many children were lost at childbirth back then you know how many mothers were lost at childbirth back then i mean certainly more than there is now um, but, you know, through, through modern, you know, conventional intervention, whatever, there's ways to, um, preserve life. And, 
at at birth and who wouldn't want to do that right who who wouldn't want to do that i mean god knows that with our the birth of noah had it not been for an emergency c-section our child may not be here and if she were here she would be severely disabled you know so we have to also yeah, that's true. understand that there's a there's a middle ground and um what i do agree with you though i i do and i shared this on the podcast the other day is you know, as far as you and I are concerned, I believe that the man that we know um, and the time that Byron was uh, was ushered, you know, essentially, or, or due to be ushered to the kingdom of heaven was right there in, in our backyard. Um, because he didn't regain cognitive consciousness. He didn't, you know, show up to be the man that, that we know. This The spirit was... Mm, definitely not the same um it was a fractured spirit if you will and it's almost like it was like this you know you would think that it's an in-between you know and although it's not because when when he did take his last breath like you said it was markedly different um than you know when he was in his body so the the real reason why we're sharing this though is like you know yes yes there's a preservation of life that warrants but there's other times when you ask yourself like are we going too far are we trying to play god here like what is what is god's plan in this how do we honor god and Mm. and our loved one at the exact same time um because that's what requires wisdom you know and i the reason i bring that up is uh this previous podcast that i did sharing parts of the story were just like i had gone on a two-week fast and um that fast was specifically for other answers and breakthroughs, but but ultimately my constant prayer was more of you, less of me, meaning yeah. I wanted to hear from God. Like I wanted clear directions. If he said turn left, I want to turn left. You know, if it was mm. for me to turn right, I want to hear him say, and turn right, go straight, stand still, pause, take, you know, whatever it might be. I just wanted clear directions. And I received those clear directions and specifically on that day um, that your dad uh, fell in our, in our backyard, you know, like I got clear directions that day on many things to do. And maybe you can look at them and think that they're, you know, trivial, you know, to grab my shoes on, to go on that walk or to grab my phone, but no, like God cares about the details. And when you know, it's not you just saying, Hey, I want to go on this walk too. Like, you know, it came from God. Like, you know, when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's a very different urgency and, um, and quickening, if you will. And, and that is for me, like, that's where wisdom comes in. We use, we use the listening of the spirit and then we apply wisdom to every situation, including this one, so that we know how to navigate through life. Yeah. Well, you mentioned something, and I think that's what everybody, you know, if you're listening to this, is we always try to seek understanding. You know, uh, there's so little we know about about life. I mean, there's a lot that science knows, and that we've come a long way, but let's not, be, let's not kid ourselves. But there's so, still so little we know um, that even the greatest scientists and the greatest minds of our time uh, can't figure out. Uh, even um, when we were in the hospital, you know, the, the cardiac physicians she's like when it comes to the heart and the spinal cord i mean when it comes to the brain and the spinal cord it's just it's still kind of uncharted territory she, we just, oh, she said it specifically it belongs to god it, be- it belongs to god you know they could keep the organs working they could put you on machines but when it comes to the the brain and the spinal cord it still belongs to god and we're, we're seeking things so let's talk about what we seek we, we always try to seek understanding and we want to know it all and and sometimes you know it's tough we look for a miracle in that hospital room 
you know we did everything we were all gathered around we anointed my dad's hands and feet with with oils we prayed over him we read the word to him um and you know you always say if you know the word you say god you know please please save my 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 father but you know your will be done i mean that's that's the line your will be done and we have to realize that and Sometimes we think God is up there playing uh, puppetry, but he doesn't micromanage. And we have to find out where he is. And that's what we're going to lead this podcast to. Where is my father? But no, but where is the victory in his this? You know, it was tough to explain to my daughters. You know, she looks at me in her little innocent eyes, and she's 11. She's like, why didn't God give us a miracle? Well, we, we did everything we were supposed to do, Dad. We prayed. You know, we did everything, and where was our miracle? Yeah. That's a tough that's a tough call for a, for a parent, you know, because, because even as adults, you know, my mom, my mom, who's married to my dad for 63 years, why? That's what she keeps asking, why? So as, as humans, we, we ask why, and, and if you take one victory out of this is, you know, God doesn't inflict pain on people. He's all good. He's all love. But in these moments, where is some of the victory? Well, we're certainly drawn closer to God, and, and we thought we were pretty close before, you know? But if, if he's using, uh, if we can use anything, if he can use tragedy, it's to bring people closer to him and hear my word, listen to what I said, you know? And, um, and we're always, like you said, we're always seeking that wisdom. We want to know God's plan. And, and it's just, we have to draw closer to him and we have to listen. And in our busy world with the phones and the, and the TVs and, and just the era of busyness, it's really hard to hear him. Hmm. Interesting. So David, uh, you weren't here with me when I recorded well, we're going to play it after this. You're, you're, you're giving it all the way, but we're going to play that podcast after this one. What do you mean we're going to play it after it? This is the first one, and then that's part two. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, either way, um, my point, you know, to say, like, you know, I, I start by talking about what is turned on anyway, you know? And I was looking here, at, you know, at the cover of your book, and it says tuning in in a tuned out world, and you're going, well, okay, what does that mean exactly? And what it means is that... You know, it's it's measuring God's word against today's world. Today's world has a lot to say, and frankly, we're listening 24 hours a day. Why? Because we have a little rectangle in our pockets that gives us everybody's opinion, everybody's influence, everybody's uh, selling point, everybody's marketing tool, everybody's list of things for the new year. The news, the, the opinions, I mean, it's just insane the amount of distraction we receive on not only a daily basis, on a minute-to-minute basis. And it's no wonder we are not utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the gift, the gift. <laughs> Guys, G-I-F-T, please understand what I'm about to say. The gift of the Holy Spirit is, in fact, that a gift take it or leave it take it or leave it it specifically talks about nine manifestations of that gift and and, you know i made my little pond water this morning where i put in like my greens and my phyto golds and my reds and my you know diatomaceous earth diatomaceous earth you have (laughs) and when you put it in water it's not like oil and water where it separates, it disperses and it's and it becomes part of the water. And so I think about that oftentimes when I think about what does the Holy Spirit look like? He doesn't go in my finger. It's not in my eyeball. You know, it's everywhere. 
the Holy Spirit is everywhere inside of you. And it has all these different manifestations to show the world, because that's what it's supposed to be used for. Like, he doesn't give us the gift just for us. He gives it for everybody. Is to glorify him, to show him, show the world who he is through you. And we're just not obeying that. And it's not because we're disobedient. It's just because we're not pushing the buttons. So what if you utilize that, that spirit and you listen and, and you're in tune with it rather than in tune with everything else that's out there and mm-hmm. being sold to us. Like that's being turned on to God. And it is such a remarkable difference in your life yeah. when you can shut off all of the noise and listen to what God has to say and then apply the word and his Holy Spirit, which is who God is, capital H, capital S, the Holy Spirit yeah. inside of you. Well, well, the spirit, Ange, when when we came home that day after my father passed, and I looked at my young, my middle girl, uh, Phoenix, who's seven, and I said, if there's one thing we're going to take out of this of victory, you know, I'm, I'm going to spend more time listening. I'm going to spend more time touching. I'm going to spend more time smiling and playing and laughing. Um, and I pinky swore on it. You know, dad's, we do the pinky swear and the kids really, <laughs> that, that means it's, that means it's on. Um, and, and here's the funny thing, cause let's we'll go back to this book you mentioned that's sitting here called turned on tuning into a tuned out world. It's because I wrote this book in May. It was published in May of 2020. Uh, ironically, and this is where we're going to get into some victory and I dedicated it to fathers. And if you open the book, it says, I dedicate this book to fathers, to my earthly father. Thank you, dad to my spiritual fathers for their direction, and most of all, to my heavenly Father. The fate of the world lies in the hearts and minds of fathers everywhere. May God equip you all to lead lovingly and courageously. And, um, you know, we, we form turned on because we wanted it to be the light of the world. We wanted it to be the light of the world. And this story I'm about to tell you, I think is probably the most profound part of victory that I could find from the answers I was looking for at my father's bedside. So I'm in the hospital one day and uh, I had spent a couple nights with him alone. You know, I mean, we did shifts and it's kind of, it's kind of weird because we were all together and there's comfort in family, but you know, everybody was tired. There were some people that didn't get any sleep. And I just said, look, I'll stay here tonight with dad, you know? And, uh, by myself in the room. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was kind of nervous. What was that going to be like? You know, it was 1030 at night and everyone was getting ready to leave the hospital. And it was just going to be me and dad. Very quiet. And I'm like, Ooh, am I going to be able to handle this? You know, I mean, he's not, he's not conscious. And, uh, you know, you hear all these dings and pings of the machines and there's a certain, you know, feeling in the hospital. So I'm at his father. I'm at my father's bedside. And, um, Everybody's gone. It's really quiet. And I'm just reading the word to him. I'm reading John for some reason. I didn't realize it until afterwards. My, I go, why was I led to John? Mm-hmm. And my parents had a child before me mm-hmm. that passed at birth. He was born. I think he lived like not even a day. They named him John. And the story goes is that my dad didn't want to have any kids after that. That's why there's eight years difference between me and my oldest sister. Uh, I mean, my youngest sister, there's eight years difference because they were devastated. And um, the story always goes, if, if John had lived, I, would, I, I wouldn't be here, you know. And uh, so eight years later, my parents had a baby, and it was John. And I didn't realize that. I'm like, why am I reading John? And then my, my, 
my niece says, well, your parents' child that passed was named John. And I was like, okay. Um, so I needed a word, you know, and I'm, I'm alone with my dad. It's in the middle of the night. And um, I had done this in the past a few times. At significant points in my life, uh, God has given me a clear word. When we say clear word, Angela, you were just talking about, we all want to hear the audible voice of God. Yeah. When we say clear word, it's it's a strong inclination in our spirit when we lean into God. Yeah. It's a, it's not all, it can be audible. People, there's yeah. plenty of recordings of people of having, having heard both biblically in the Bible and, and just in everyday life is the audible voice. So but yeah, it's a strong. So I was looking for that word. And I guess the two times I really received it, the first time I didn't know I was looking for, I was looking for answers, but you gave me the word. Yeah. And we've gone over this is when, when Angelique and I, we, our relationship was on the rocks when we were engaged and the word was from first Corinthians when John said, you know, it's, Paul. I mean, Paul, <laughs> Paul said, you know, when I was a child, I acted like a child. Now it's time to put those childish ways behind us. That was the first time. And Angelique gave me that word and it changed things. Okay. The second time was, um, just before this book came out in the height of the pandemic, uh, in early 2020. And I had awoken one morning and gone to my porch. It was like probably four thirty, five o'clock. The sun wasn't up. And I just turned on the light of that porch and I held the Bible close to my chest and I said, I'm so lost, God. I'm like, where are you with this, you know, this pandemic and the lockdowns and and the crime and the and the and the election and everything seems so chaotic. And I'm like and I held that Bible close to my chest and I said, God, I'm gonna open this Bible up and I'm gonna put my finger down and I just asked for a word from you. That's a lot to ask from God, right? Sometimes it's but here's the weird part is I did just that. I closed my eyes, I opened the Bible. I, I thought for a second, I said, God, if you're, if you're listening, just give me a word. And when I opened my eyes, I looked down at this word that I'd never seen before, I'd never heard of, and the word was Habakkuk. And I was like... It's an obscure book, yeah. What is that? Like, I'd read the Bible. I've gone th- we had gone through a, a Bible study. Yeah. <laughs> never heard of this name. Never knew it was... That. You could have said, have you ever read the book of Habakkuk? And I'm like, where's that? You know? <laughs> And basically, the, the very first line is, you know, Habakkuk, the prophet, going, God, where are you? You see all this. When are you going to come down and, and fix it? And, and, and I was like, wow, that was a clear message because God was like, wait till you see what I do. Wait till you see what, what I'm going to do with this mess. And, um, and that was a, another clear message when I needed it. So <clears throat> I said, I'm going to do the same thing laying by my father's side. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over him. I'm going I'm to hold this Bible close to my chest. I'm going to open it up to a random page, and I'm going to put my finger down and see if he gives me that same word, okay? Again, that's a lot to ask of God. I'm just going to tell you what happened. I'm just going to tell you the reality of it. So what happened was I opened my eyes, and my finger was on Luke 8.24. Uh, and, and it was weird because it was right across from a, a, another scripture that I'll get to, but Luke eight twenty four basically said they came to him and awoke, saying, "Master, you know we're, we're going to perish in this storm." They're on the boat, and then Jesus arose. He rebuked the wind and the raging water, and then there was calm. But then he said to them, "Where is your faith?" And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> okay." Uh, and and then on that same page, right, as I'm looking down, I'm like, okay, is this your message? Yeah, where is my faith? My dad's laying here in front of me. I just did CPR on him, um, you know, 24 hours before this. Uh, before that, we were hanging out, having dinner, having drinks, and, and having a great time. And 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 now I'm I'm questioning life in general. And God's 
clearly says, well, where's your faith? But then I look over to the same page on, on Luke eight sixteen, just a couple paragraphs before, and this is what really got me. It says, no man lights a lamp and covers it and puts it under the bed. He puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see that light. Now, that is essentially turned on. This is what got me because that that is the same philosophy from Matthew 5.14, which in the backyard where my dad fell down is a huge flag. You might have seen it on our social media that says, be the light, Matthew 5.14. That is the verse where Angelique, when we said, let's name it turned on, that was the verse. That's the verse that goes that goes out on emails. That's the verse that goes out um, when, whenever we tell somebody about our business is Matthew 5.14, which essentially says, put your lamp on a lampstand. Don't hide it. Here's the same verse in Luke. So in a perfect world, right, if, if God, you would say, well, I close my eyes, I asked for a word, and God led me to Matthew 5.14, which is the flag in my backyard. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. You know, out of all the scriptures in the book, God let me put my finger on Matthew 5, 14, which is the turned on scripture. But it wasn't. It was Luke. And then I started to ask myself, well, what, where's the message here? You know, and not to do a, a huge leap, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking. And the message was, my faith was about to come under attack because I'm experiencing grief for the first time in my life. I'm lost. And I'm, where's my father? Where's his consciousness? Where's his spirit? God, where are you? How come you're not answering my prayer? And and he says, when the storm comes, ask yourself, where's your faith? You know, I'm sitting here looking at the 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 greatest mentor in my life, a man who a man who I love dearly. And and all the other trivialities, I guess you call them of life, all the other nuances and little things are second now. They're, they're just, they don't even matter. The things I was worrying about a week before are nothing matters except this man sitting in front of me. And, and now I get this message, where's your faith and be the light? Because it, it was, what I took that as, it was confirmation that God was telling me, don't let this be a detriment to your path. You keep talking about the word. You keep going. Because before this, you know, Angelique was doing that fast that she was telling you about, and I was kind of falling off. The, I was kind of falling off. I was kind of, she's like, you know, where are you? And I was like, I wasn't losing faith, but I was just like, I was, I was going apathetic, back to yeah. apathetic, lukewarm. And, and the ironic part, again, on that same page, if you guys go to that, that Luke, Luke 8, the other scripture there, uh, on that same page that I looked is the one about the sowing of the, uh, of the seed. When the seed falls on, on ground, on, on, on rocky ground, you know, is it going to take root? Or it, will there be good seed that comes upon hard times where you lose your faith? And I was like, wow, I'm, I felt like we're a good seed. We're doing works for God. But now that seed's falling, and, and there's a chance there where it could go the other way. And God was telling me, don't let it go the other way. Like, now is the time to double down on your assignment. Now is the time to double down on your faith. Now is the t- time to get closer to me, draw nearer to me. You're you're going the right way. Stay turned on. Keep being the light. Keep being the light. And I didn't want to trivialize any part of this story. I didn't want to sensationalize it, you know, for this podcast. Um, it, it's literally something that I just felt that God was telling me. My father was my rock. Um, 
he was dying in front of me. And I'll be honest with you, a piece of me died that day too. But when, when he took his last breath, I felt it. My mom said, can you pray with me? And I said, Mom, pray, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, take, take your, your, your son into your kingdom. Let the angels welcome him into paradise. And as my mom repeated that, I felt a breath come out of my father. I felt it on my face because we were right near him. And I looked up at the monitor, and it went to zero at that moment. And, and I looked at his body, and it had visibly changed in that second. You could tell the spirit had left. It's so interesting. You know, you told me that story, and I know exactly what you're referring to because I witnessed it and my mother. Um, you know, but, you know, as you share what you picked up on scriptures, and this is where I really think that the listeners can just gain some profit, if you will. Um, where's your faith, Right. And be the light. So when we try to play God, and by playing God, I don't, I don't mean it has to be big things. I mean little things. That means just we white knuckle a lot. We try to control a lot. Um, we lose faith because things don't work out the way we want them to. And uh, the same thing goes for the apostles when they were in the boat because you know they were so scared of this storm and they were going to perish and Jesus was sleeping. And it was when he woke and they rested that he calmed the storm. And so it's just such a great parallel for us to understand. It's like when we're trying to control things, Jesus is in the background going, hey, like, I'm just going to rest here until you realize you're going to need to lean on me. And then when he was awakened by them, you know, he calmed the winds and the storm and they were resting. Why? Because he took over. So... We, there's this great balance that comes with that. And then um, your faith is strengthened in those times because you learn what the importance of rest is. And this, I've, I talk about this so much in, our, you know, in the Divine Order of the Kingdom. Um, it's available on our website for free. But just I want you to think about this for a second. God rested on the seventh day, okay? Um, he, God is God. He doesn't grow weary, <laughs> He didn't rest because he was tired. He didn't rest because he had a long day of work. He rested because it was done. The work was finished. It was complete. And we have to remember that, like even in our day-to-day, if our day-to-day operations are constant, like we have a constant worry, and this, I, this is me, by the way. I am calling myself out. Like we have a constant like need to do more, a constant need to, or restlessness that I need to be working on something, a restlessness that maybe I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And Lord, where are you? What's my calling? And we don't rest. Like God, God is not going to be able to bless that because we're not doing our, we're not, we're not resting from finished work. And by finished, we mean like for the day, like, you know, that you put, you, you put your work in on the fields, you know, that you've tilled the land, you know, that you've, uh, you know, attended for the harvest. And that's the whole point is we've got to learn the balance between where we come in and where he comes in. And that's a really tough thing to do, but that's what I really believe that from a global perspective, we're missing. We're missing it. Well, we need it now. You know, you you talk about the harvest. We talk about that. And there's, you know, the parables in the Bible. So much of it is about um, the seed. So much of it is about 
work. It's about, you know, because back then it was a, it was a agricultural society. Um, and so if we look at the parable of the sower of the seed, right, the seed is the word of God. And in Luke, it says, if it falls on rocky ground, some may receive it, believe in it for a while. But in the time of testing, in the time of testing, it, whether it's my father's death or we're being tested right now as a, as a, as a nation, as a people, as a, as a world, we're being tested. In the time of testing, they'll fall away. Some are choked off by life's worries, choked off by life's riches and pleasures, and the seed never matures. So there is a time in your life where you will face trials. The Bible tells us this. And that seed that's in you, that good seed, you have to realize that in the time of trial, you you can fall away. And you have to say, but the, the good soil... Right, If it falls on good soil with a good and noble heart, those who hear the word retain it, preserve it, and produce a good crop. My father had a noble and good heart. His physical heart, as the Bible says, is sown perishable and was destined to fail. But his spiritual heart became pure when we baptized him. Especially in this last couple of years, Angie, you know after my dad was saved, he was literally transformed. We saw it. Yeah, totally different man. Totally different man. He, and he even said, he goes, when I came up out of that water, I felt like a new man. And he wasn't scared to die. No, he talked about He had a lot time. of living left. He had five years, he said. He goes, I think I got another five years in me. And he was super active. Big time. I mean, he just got on a, he just got on a Brahmin bull <laughs> at, at the stockyards <laughs> at 83, you know. Um, I mean, he was super active. wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> but, you know, if, if this was a movie script, I would have pointed to Matthew 5, 14 and say, oh my gosh, that's the flag in our backyard. God's talking to me. But it wasn't a movie script. This is real life. And the reason why we went to Luke is because Luke reaffirms so much of what we're going through, the testing, the sowing of the seed. Will you fall away? You know, will it, when, when the seas get rocky, will you lose your faith? So even in the depths of my sorrow and the, and, and the depths of, of experiencing this death for the first time of somebody super close to me, right, in my family, a bloodline, um, God was telling me to put your light on the stand. Continue to do the work, David and Angelique, that was started in you. And that seed did indeed land in good soil, you know. For the, my father, my father had no right to be who he was. I'm going to just give you guys a little. This is a little thing. He had no right to be who he was. He had no mentor. He really had no love growing up from his parents. No advantages. Um, you know, 120 pound kid soaking wet, skinny with big ears. Um, parents who just you know, never, never let him go. He, he, he wanted to go to college and the day after he graduated from high school, they moved away and they gave him a manual labor job. You know, how's that for love? Right. Um, to say he was noble and of good heart is an understatement. I mean, he gave money to his younger brother who never repaid him back or thanked him and badmouthed him. He took care of his parents in their old age, despite the fact that they never gave him anything. I mean, you talk about the stories of people walking to school in the snow. My dad had one pair of socks at, at the age of eight that he had to wash. Um, Never got, never got a chance to do anything, but despite that, he took care of them when they got older, and they forgot about how, how mean they were to him. And, and to me, most impressively, he, he evangelized to his older brother, who uh, was a criminal and accused of horrible things. And, and my dad, after he was baptized in 2019, one of the proudest moments of my life was I overheard my dad in a room speaking to his brother in prison. And my dad was telling him about Jesus' mercy. My dad was telling him about paradise because my, my uncle was also sick. And he was, you know, 
his time was coming. And my dad was telling him, you know, there's mercy, except Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, the paradise is on the other side for all who believe in him and claim him as their savior. And, and, you know, he wasn't great at it. My dad wasn't great at it, but he was doing it unbeknownst to anyone hearing this, you know, because because he just was that kind of person that he cared. I mean, he'd always had religion in his life ever. You know, my dad never missed a day at church. Don't get me wrong. Never missed a day at church, but right. he never knew faith. He never read the Bible yeah. like me until he was baptized. And so we started talking to him about it. So after he got baptized, after he started reading the word, my dad was so confident in his words. Um, he had no idea anybody was listening. And his older brother passed just a few months before him. And, um, you know, and, and he did the very things that the word says to do. He says, you know, repent and be baptized and spread the gospel. Good and faithful servant. And that's what my dad did. Amen. So I'll tell you this, guys, as we wrap up this, you know, I love Pastor Mark Driscoll. And I remember being in a men's group in 2017 in his church. Maybe it was 2018, 17. I was in his church in a men's group, and, and Pastor Mark asked a group of about 50 men. He said, how many of you here plan on leaving a financial legacy for your children? You know, leaving them a will. We know about that. That's what dads were doing. You know, they'd leave something to their children. And every hand went up in the room. Every hand went up, wanted to leave a financial legacy to their children. And Pastor Mark said, good, okay. And then he looked around. He goes, okay, now let me ask you this question. How many of you are working and planning to leave a spiritual legacy, a spiritual inheritance to your children? And, wow, like, the room got real silent. All the men just kind of looked around and looked at each other. And trust me, there wasn't a lot of hands up. And it was just that moment where I was like, wow, what an amazing question. And I'll ask you men out there right now, how many of you men are planning on leaving a spiritual legacy to your children? You know, if we if we look at if we look at the frame of reference for death, it's so permanent. And you you say how 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 can this go away? How can we get it to go away as quick as possible? This feeling in my stomach where I feel like I want to throw up. This if if you've experienced it, you know the worst part about it is waking up from a sleep because you wake up and you're like, oh, you know, a new day. And then it's almost immediately you realize, nope they're gone and life will never be the same. And you think it's like a bad nightmare and you just want to wake up from that nightmare, but it's, it's, you relive it. So you ask yourself, where's the victory? God, what, what can I do? How can I get past this point of grief? And, and that's what we're talking about. Sometimes grief is losing a job. Sometimes grief is uh, an accident or uh, sometimes grief is losing a, a, a pet even, right? But when, when it's your father or your mother, it's just a huge wake up call that, Life is fragile, and none of us escapes it. And so when you get a taste of that, it changes your perspective. And I'll never be the same. You know, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll never be the same, but it's okay because I want victory from this, and I want you guys to get victory. And I'm not over the grief process yet, you know. Um, it's weird. It's like a faucet. Sometimes I'll start crying. I'm like, here it comes, and then it just turns off like a faucet. And... I'm not one to really shy away from my emotions. I'm, I I don't mind crying, but I just, it hasn't happened yet. There are certain moments where it starts and then it stops. And, and I'm just experiencing this for the first time. And I have a completely new um, respect for my wife, Angelique, because as much as I was close to her mom and dad, is they weren't my mom and dad. 
and she's experienced this poor thing has experienced so much loss in her life and and my father was like a father to her you know they really i mean they really loved each other like like a real son uh like a real father and daughter very much so yeah and um i guess we'll leave you with this you know if we go back to turned on and then we tune out to this world and we tune into our family and we tune into god let's go back to the five senses okay um our our five senses are reaffirming that we're alive right how do you know you're alive well i i can see you i can smell you i can touch you um I can taste food. I can hear you talk to me. That's how we kind of know that we're alive. And looking at my dad in that bed, the senses weren't there. The spirit wasn't there. And I kept saying, I want to see the face of God. That word kept coming to me. I want to see the face of God. I want to see, see, see the face of God. Now, I'll leave you with this. Think about that. If we all saw the face of God, literally, what would the world look like? I mean, everything would change. You know, this, the very fact of we must have faith because we haven't seen the face of God, but we feel him. So I think we see the face of God in certainly in our parents. You know, I saw the face of God in that hospital bed. I saw the face of God when I was doing CPR on him because I saw life and death. And I saw his spirit leave him. It was palpable. It was finite and for sure his spirit left him. I wasn't very touchy-feely with my dad in my whole life. I always called him dad. I told him I loved him. Right? We never really... I wrote about and turned on. I, I, was, I grew up around Spanish families, and I was amazed that the dads and the, and the sons would hug and kiss, and they were very affectionate. I'm like, that wasn't my family. <laughs> we're very, very much uh, European patriarchal, you know, dad. But um, what, what changed in that hospital room is I touched and hugged and kissed my dad more than ever. I just sat there, and I held his hand, and I just kept kissing his hand and kissing his hand. And the weird part is I can't understand why, and I don't know why. I always called him dad. It was always dad. And here I am, a man myself, and I kept calling him daddy and papa in the hospital bed. I just called, I said, daddy, daddy, papa. And so the sounds were different. And the victory comes, my friends, right now because we can't bring back those who have passed, but we can love on the ones who are here. And my dad would have definitely wanted us to take a lesson from this. He would have definitely said, you know what, David? Because he was so unselfish. And, and he knew, he's like, this is your time. And even my mom now, hey, you guys have your life ahead of you. We've lived a wonderful life. You know, we've lived into our 80s. We've experienced so much. Um, and my dad would say, love on your children. Give them everything you got. Use your five senses, David. You know, listen to your wife. Listen to the stories she tells you. Listen, uh, touch her. Listen to your, your girls. Listen to the stories that they tell you, even the stories that seem trivial and they're just little kids' stories. Listen to them. Pay more attention to them. Hear them. You know, hug them more. Kiss them more. And, and I talk about this. Smell, smell your children. I mean, you know, that's just like a, the baby smells, the, uh, the smell of their hair, you know. When you guys break bread together, taste, taste that food. Appreciate it. 
You know, God has given us that. Use those five senses to reaffirm that God is real, to reaffirm that this world is real, but we'll never need those. We're going to get a new spiritual body. So the last thing I would encourage you to do with their five senses to know that it's real is to read. Use your eyes to read the Word of God. Use your ears to listen to worship music. Use your ears to listen to the Word of God. Stop and, cliche, stop and smell the roses. Stop and smell the flowers. Go outside and smell what God has for you. Taste and see the glory of the Lord. You know, some of these things are cliche, but they're cliche for a reason because we need to touch. We need to hug and kiss. We need to hear the voice of God talking to us internally. We need to stop and smell the roses. We need to taste and see the glory of the Lord. I think that's from a psalm, a taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say, are you... Yeah, I'm good. Um, you know, I, I, I just want to say, it's a weird time. I, I The only thing I can describe is I'm numb. Sometimes I get super emotional, and sometimes I'm just numb. So I just want to thank you guys for listening to me as Angelique wraps this up. Um, thank you for listening to me. I, I hope this helped. And again, I love my dad more than anything. He's a good man. And um, I'm going to continue to do the work that we're doing, and even more so. So thank you, Dad, for, for reaffirming that we're in the right place, doing the right thing. Um, <clears throat> something just struck me as you shared, and this is not the first time I've heard you say it, because obviously I've walked this journey with you, but for our listeners, I think this message is for you as well as for David. So David, I'm going to address you, but I want everyone to kind of just tune in for a second. You said that your whole life, um, your relationship, your family's really kind of not touchy feely, you know, I'm in Greek, so we kiss and hug everybody. Right. <laughs> but your family just didn't really do that. You know, it wasn't a lot of embracing or a lot of, I love you's. Um, the affection uh, was shown in different ways. And, um, he always did call him dad. And for the longest time I was like, why do you guys only handshake? Like, why don't you guys hug? You know, it, I, it was foreign to me. And so in the last several years, especially in the last three and a half years, ironically of dad's real ministry, cause that's when he was baptized in the summer of 2019. He had three and a half years since that time, just like Jesus. And he was like a ministry. Um, I saw that transformation and there was hugging and there was more I love you's. And it was definitely a, a gradual uh, shift of, you know, affection but David, as you shared that you were at his bedside and hugging and kissing and you were like, you didn't leave, like you were embracing him. It was more than ever, 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 ever in your lifetime with him. In 50 years of your time with your dad, you probably made up for it. And I thought to myself, geez, like this man who was raised by parents who really didn't show any love at all, not you, but him, he is getting his his love cup filled, his cup runneth over in that hospital room. But you, David said, you started to call him daddy and papa and you were hugging and kissing and holding his hand. And it just dawned on me why. And this is a, I'm very sensitive to the spirit right now. So this is a message and this is, you know, essentially the, from the Lord. Just take that. It's not coming from me. That is a full-on representation of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We can keep him at arm's length or pretend like he's on the other side of a door, kind of like a confessional where we can't see him, we can't, 
embrace him and we just kind of have to formally share, you know, things and, and we can't get too close, you know, like we just got it. We just, we, we pray formal prayers and they have to sound and look perfect and we can't be honest with him and we can't show our real emotions. And, um, you know, we say, we say all the right things and we hope to do all the right things, but he's just still on the other side of a door. That is not the God who loves us and sees us. He wants a relationship with us. It is why Jesus was sent here because Jesus is the full manifestation of what our relationship should look like with God when we are rightly in tune with him. And so we should be able to call out to our father, heavenly father and say, daddy, we should be able to call out to him and say, Papa, we should be able to kiss his hands and feet. We should be able to embrace him. We should be able to feel that closeness. And that is a representation of now, David, your next step with God. Your next step with God is going to look like intimacy like you have never experienced in your life. That next step for you, listener, is to have that kind of relationship with God where he's not on the other side of the door. He is right there holding your hand and you can say, Daddy. You can kiss his hands and feet. And you can have a relationship with him that is the same intimacy that Jesus showed us. Because that exactly the words of Jesus that you will do these things also and greater. So I actually just encourage you all today to be filled with that gift of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Show all the manifestations of what that looks like in your life so that the world can see as you are the light because you are turned on to God, not tuned into this world, but turned on to God. And we are not a friend of this world. It is an enemy to our souls. We are a friend of God. And God is a friend of ours, and he is our heavenly father. And we can take that relationship and make it as intimate as we desire. And he becomes daddy.